Hello and welcome to the Celtic Women's Football Show. I'm your host, Claire Wilde, and he's back from his travels. He's deigned to join me today. It is Lorenzo Pacitti. Hi, Lorenzo. Guten Tag. I mean, I, I did not learn how to do any words in Swedish while I was, I was there. I was going to say you were like in now. Sweden? <laughs> yes. Uh, I know they kept saying uh, hi, hi. Hi, hi. To me. I've heard so that on the Swedish sweet. telly shows. Hi, hi, and hello. Like that. It's almost like they're doing like a Balamori kind of impression. So that's all you picked up. Hello. Yep. So Which you'll you won't you be doing away. you won't be doing any presses in Swedish with Elena anytime soon. No, but you listen, you can get away with hello and I'll understand you. <laughs> um we are recording this. Happy Valentine's Day, of course. Have you done anything romantic? Uh we are going for dinner on Friday and as usual we say the whole like no fuss but Valentine's Day type thing and then inevitably exchange cards oh flowers that's nice I had my sofa cleaned that was the best thing that's happened to me all day I mean that's a that's a positive day I would say (laughs) uh yeah it was pretty good um it's obviously a slow news day that's why we're talking about Valentine's Day at the beginning of the podcast um there isn't a huge amount of like general news around the team. There was talk of maybe, you know, mentioning the fact that Fran has now taken up his position at Houston and seen the stadium and all that. And I was like, yeah, no, we don't need to. He's gone. He's out of us, out of sight, out of mind, whatever. We have to focus on what is in front of us now. Right, Lorenzo? Sure. Absolutely. No time for sentimentality. We've got a, we've got a league that might be back on. Well, yeah. I mean, let's talk about how things have been going since you've been away. Things have sort of, I wouldn't, I'm not going to use the phrase turned a corner, but things have certainly shifted slightly. And I think possibly the game on Sunday at Meadowbank in Edinburgh was going to always be a big test. Like Peter said on the podcast last week, almost the first big test if you kind of set the Glasgow City and Rangers games to one side um, to see how we performed in that and almost came at quite a good time. Did you agree with that analysis? Yeah, I feel like it's... It's one you can use as an obvious benchmark. Now, it would be tough to... No one would have expected you to be able to judge a new manager off the back of the two hardest games in the calendar um, before she's had a chance to really implement any kind of ideas. Mm-hmm. We're still in the very early stages of that. But yeah, I think Hibs being a team you should beat, but who can be really tricky and who just had a really you know good positive result, that was definitely a test. And uh, yeah, I think it's a good way to look at it as like the the real start of where we can maybe judge Elena's team. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, a team who yeah, they have got one of the highest goal scorers in the league as well. They're, you know, a team who have got a couple of teams chasing them for fourth, but are still maintaining that position and not looking like dropping it anytime soon. But um, ahead of the game, sort of as, as it came up to the game, what were you thinking? Because I was quite, I was quite nervous about this game ahead of it I was I was kind of distracted because I went to the game with my parents and a couple of their pals and lots of people and I was kind of just you know that way that sometimes you need that to distract you from actually just sitting there and looking at the pitch and focusing on it not that you can it's quite hard to look at the pitch at Medibank because there's a running track in the way but Hmm. (laughs) Uh, yeah I I definitely felt I mean I'm usually I usually go in with an optimism of I I expect to beat the other teams in this league and I worry whenever I don't feel quite confident in that. But I think this the idea of this being the first test where there's no real excuse of 
toughest game, first day. Mm-hmm. You know, she's had weeks now to have this team in training. There's been players that have stepped up, there's been players that have dropped off. Um, so I think she has to live and die now by her lineup choices and formations. So there was a there was a wee bit of worry that Hibs are definitely not the kind of team that you want to be experimenting against too much. They're not uh, a team at the bottom of the league who you would expect to go out and run over. Mm-hmm. So it did feel like it was going to be tight, whatever the outcome. So that definitely gives you a bit more trepidation than your average week in the SWPL. Just hoping not to kind of completely blow it. It felt like Hibs could actually you know, have an effect yeah. um, on the game if Celtic didn't really perform to a high standard. I mean, they're, they've beaten Glasgow City in the Cup, so, you know, they're a definite threat. Um, let's talk about the starting at 11. Um, back to a back three. I mean, I say back to a back three. It seems that that back four idea has been, if not dropped, shelved for now. I think that there was some questions asked about it at the press conference this afternoon which we will probably refer to throughout this podcast I would recommend going and having a listen to both what Elena it's quite a short it's just a few questions for Elena a few questions for Chloe Craig but go and have a listen to that but um you know very cagey about what's going to be happening going forward in terms of that formation um are you happy to be sticking with a back three and those those wing positions at this point yeah, I mean, we don't have fullbacks. Like, I, I, I do think it's uh, you're using the players you have. When we play a back four, the fullbacks don't seem natural, and when players aren't natural, they make slight mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, at least a back three is a bit more familiar, more familiar for the squad in a lot of ways, and the playing staff are definitely, you know, our defenders are all kind of centre backs. Uh, so it fits, and uh, it was nice to see it back in the sense that it, it gives that. When the rest of the team is changing a little bit and there's positions up for grabs, mm-hmm. a back three almost gave you a bit of familiarity there that you, we weren't really rolling the dice. I don't get I don't get the vibe of this that it's like Elena chopping and changing trying to find what works. I think back four maybe suited her style, um, and it was absolutely appropriate that she opened with that. But now she's had enough time with the playing staff to maybe realise we're not equipped for that, and she's gone to what we are equipped for. So that's a positive change. Yeah, and it's nice to see a manager who's prepared to adapt their style to what's available to them and isn't too proud to kind of be like, well, this is what I said I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to stick to it. And, you know, maybe we'll see a back four, like you said, come in when she's able to get some players that suit a system that she wants to kind of adjust slightly. Let's talk about this starting 11 um, with that back three. So Kelsey Doherty in backing goals. Um, Sydney Cummings, uh, Kelly Clark and Caitlin Hayes. You've then got Meng Lu Shen, um, Natalie Ross, Manu Shen, Paula Partido, Natasha Flint, Amy Gallagher, and Kit Lefersky. Um, things that stand out, um, Craig on the bench, Cummings in the starting 11, which is a less common occurrence. Um, both Shen's starting as well. Um, what did you make of this? Yeah, I've been, I think I was keen. Um, the kind of beginning of the year to see more of Cummings, particularly after she came back from an injury. Uh, I don't feel like she's necessarily the answer or that she's she's shown enough and we'll probably talk about her with the, the Hibs goal. Um, but it's it's interesting to see somebody as influential as Craig. I think she was kind of shoehorned into that left-back role. I know she's played in somewhat of a full-back role under Fran as well, uh, but it, it didn't seem too natural. Um, I don't think that's to say that she's not one of the like should be one of the starting centre halves, particularly with that goal scoring record, as silly as that sounds. 
Um, so it's not something I would expect maybe against Rangers. Uh, but it's interesting to see, you know, Cummings getting her opportunity after after missing quite a lot of football. Um, the two Shens playing together, when it works, I think it seems like such a no-brainer. Is there something about when the two of them play together that's either total feast or famine? Um, so that's always interesting to see in a lineup, And then that front three, uh, but with, you know, kept being the advanced role and almost a free role to both Amy and Flint is something I really like. I think it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, and I think it's going to be quite an awkward one at the start, but I think that is another one that complements those players well. And over time, granted, it's the second half of the season and it's particularly the end of the season. But uh, if those players get an opportunity to play in that kind of triangle together, I would think that would bring the best out of their skills. But it's a definitely a, an unfamiliar, awkward way to attack that a lot of players, you know, won't have been used to. So it will take some getting used to. But we've seen Tash Flint; she's all she almost thrives on that type of. Yep. awkwardness that we've discussed many times before and I think as fans we find quite awkward because you know there is something nice about knowing where everyone's supposed to be and everyone's in their position and it's all kind of like neat and tidy and you can kind of tell much more easily what players are trying to do and when it's kind of coming off and when it's not coming off um I just want to run through the substitutes as well uh the bench was Murphy Agnew Lucy Ashworth Clifford Cilia Barclay Colette Kavanagh Chloe Craig Claire Goldie Maria McEnany Jenny Smith and Chloe Logan it's kind of just snuck up on me that like that's a those are all starting players if on their day like do you know what I mean with players coming and I was like how is it suddenly that we kind of it felt like we had benches that maybe had a couple of youngsters on there a couple of more unexperienced players I guess it's people coming back from injury Tash coming in maybe some of those who we thought used to be slightly more inexperienced players getting to the level where we're used to seeing them play more but it's nice like that strength and depth Elena referred to it in the press conference today like we've really got that coming now haven't we yeah, it's kind of a, a two-pronged thing on the on the very positive side, as you say, that bench is full of players that you would expect to be able to come on and make a difference or play a part. Um, and there's competition for places. On the flip side of that, there's something to be said for the lack of nailed on starting 11 in terms of who's standing head and shoulders above the bench in terms of quality. There's a, a very small amount of players in that lineup who you would say are untouchable. Yeah. And I think for a, a title-winning side and sides we've had, you know, the, the side that won the double, um, and that these kind of sides, you you could put your your life on seven of them maybe to start every week at least. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we have that right now in terms of uh, a real distinct change in quality. Yeah. But I agree depth-wise. I think with the injuries coming back, there's players there that can come on and be like for like. There's players there that can come on and give you something a little bit different. So that's all very positive, but come next season I'd, I wouldn't want us to be talking necessarily about depth at the level we're at because we're not leading the league right now if we were leading the league and we have a squad of very similar ability yeah. who you would you, you can say the subs are almost as good as the starters that's great but uh, to win the league you're going to have to have a few players that are just really far and away Head above. and shoulders yeah, yeah. I, I totally I totally agree with that. It's a really good point. I think the players that she's really consistently stuck with so far, and it's a small sample, obviously, um, are those more experienced players. Kelly Clark's basically been in, a, I think she didn't start one game. Caitlin Hayes, Natalie Ross. It's been the players that she knows, I guess, 
she's sort of inherited that she can rely on to be leaders on the pitch as well because she's going to need some of that with this new system that she's trying to or the new way that she wants the players to play so that's quite interesting I think um so yeah the, that's the lineup we'll talk about sort of subs in a bit as well um what did you make of this overall performance because of We've had a couple of, you know, I've described it as deer in the headlights, slightly nervous, slightly shaky. What did you think of this one? I thought it was a bit of a mixed bag. I think the result's fantastic. And uh, this is very much a game you would have said before. It's one of those just one games. Does not matter with the performance. But if we're going to, you know, you know, go back and look at it and, and put it in the context of the other games we've we've played under Elena, um, I think we don't look like the finished article I think there was a lot of giving the ball away uh, to dominate possession that much, but still be quite sloppy in your passing. Uh, it's a little frustrating. Um, we weren't massively troubled unless we literally gave Hibbs the ball in our final third, which is positive. <laughs> I thought we controlled the game. I thought Hibbs came into it for maybe 25 minutes, maybe maybe more if I've been generous. Um, and the rest of the game we really kind of controlled, which is positive because, again, we've looked a little out of control Regardless of who we're playing, it's not like we've kind of dominated the game uh, at our tempo. So that was positive and it was definite improvement. And to play a team as tricky as Hibs away in a high-pressure situation and be as comfortable as we were uh-huh. is really positive. But um, I would say it can definitely get a bit more uh, put together, a performance. I think that's kind of where I am as well. Um, I mean... I, I was delighted by the performance, not like you said, necessarily because it was sort of suddenly they produced a stellar, outstanding footballing performance, but because it was very much moving in the right direction. And yep. some of those jitters seemed to have disappeared. That was the thing I was just like, I cannot sit through another game where we just look so kind of all at sea. Um, and like, we don't know what we're doing, especially against a team like this on a pitch like this, it would just be too much. I think maybe that's what contributed to my nerves ahead of the game as well. But I think we're very much moving in the right direction, which is positive to see that if we continue that trajectory, we can start maybe doing things. And also that kind of, I think Elena referred to it in the, BBC interview or whatever she did immediately post-match that kind of you sensed some of that hunger a little bit coming back from like the keeping like keeping going to the end um that we're so used to seeing and maybe we haven't seen as much of I don't know is that something yeah I think that the point you brought up the points where we've been really lacking have improved uh you know we can say that the performances are getting incrementally better um things are starting to come together but the really scary bits from those bad defeats uh, are definitely vastly improved. The players look a lot more at it, a lot more eager to impress. And I think Elena's stuck with the players who who kind of didn't drop off in that sense. Like Natalie Ross has been great since Elena came in, and we've we've needed those players to step up and, uh-huh. and kind of drag us into this new era. Um, and I think other players are starting to follow suit now. And I guess the ideas are becoming clearer in training. They've had more time to work on new things, uh, and the the hangover. I think the new manager bounce is that kind of classic thing people say, but we had a hangover because we had that gap yeah, um, and that kind of unknown. So it's very much been a new manager hangover, which we're now coming out of the back end of, hopefully. Yeah. Um, just going back again, you mentioned you thought, you know, Hibs had that sort of 25, maybe a bit longer of uh, 
play playing well in the game, looking threatening, looking to take it to us. Obviously, they scored a goal as well. Um, what did you make of their overall performance? Because they've just been quite, you know, I think inconsistent is probably the word that comes to everyone's mind when they think of Hibs this season. Yep, inconsistent is definitely the word for Hibs. The word for Hibs kind of season after season right now. Um, <laughs> constant change. Um, but, you know, to have a result like that against City where they looked like, you know, the Hibs that we're all kind of afraid of when, when you don't want to trip up. The Hibs that can really just frustrate you and cause you problems and have players of quality who can who can surprise you if you give them opportunities. Um, and I think in little fits and starts, you saw that against Celtic. You mm-hmm. saw them really... I think what Hibs did that made the game look more competitive at times is when they get given a chance, they jump all over it. They don't kind of recycle the ball. Uh, when we give it away, which I think yeah. is clearly you know something the managers instilled in them, and it's a hunger in those players. Every time there's a slack pass, they go forward with it. They appreciate the fact that they've been handed an opportunity without having to win the ball back. And I think when you do that as a team, you're always going to give yourself chances. Uh, so I think fair play to Hibs on that. I don't think they played brilliantly, um, but inconsistent even within that 90 minutes that you could see the quality there that's in that squad, and you could see the the coaching that's in that squad. It just against a team like Celtic unless we're giving you it the whole game uh, you've really got to do more than that let's talk about goals Tash Flynn is back scoring goals um, which is something that we want to see um, didn't take long for us to get the first goal and it was Tash Flynn who got it in the back of the net uh, do you want to talk us through that yeah this is like we have talked so much about Tash Flynn obviously at the end of last season and then when she came back and that disappointing performance in the in the derby and it's because she sits so deep. And when she starts this move, she's so deep. <laughs> yeah. But this is what Elena's, you know, planned for now. We have Kit going beyond her. You've got two wingers going beyond her. As long as Tash Flint's not the furthest forward player in the park, the depth she can receive the ball at is, is a positive. It's a, it's a total skill thing. When she can kind of face up a defence and have four or five players beyond her, her mm-hmm. quality really shines through. And you could see she, she basically plays a, a half the pitch one two, you know, with Natalie Ross. And it's Ross's intelligence and Ross's ability to, to see what Tash is thinking. And Tash thinking two steps ahead and kind of laying it off to Ross and then moving forward and demanding it back. And you can just see the ability she has on the ball. And when she's starting that deep, she can catch players on their heels. She's very good at knowing when to shoot to keep the keeper off guard. Um, so I think with this formation change, like I said, once they get used to it, it really will bring out the best in Tash. And we saw that when Fran moved Tash back behind the most forward striker. She was yeah. scoring from the edge of the box. She was creating chances. She had freedom to play in that kind of centre circle where she loves to receive the ball. And a big thing we've been missing, probably since the kind of rumours for Fran going started, is somebody in the middle of the park taking the ball and moving it forward mm-hmm. and doing that consistently throughout the game and it not having to be... Uh, a Hayes long ball progression or Natalie Ross kind of tackling through somebody and as much as it was frustrating when Flint was the sole striker her dropping deep receiving the ball the kind of her end of the centre circle turning and facing up a defence confident she's not going to lose the ball because she's got that ability and that size and strength it just opens up so many avenues and you saw that from that goal and that's the kind of goal we'll need to score at Ibrox, potentially, or in, or in these bigger games where the game's not going to open up for you. We will come to that. We will come to that, my friend. I think that's so right. It's it, it was it's a goal that perfectly encapsulates 
like why she is where she is and kind of takes away some of our frustrations around how deep she is sometimes because if you've got you know you cannot take away the credit for Natalie Ross because that goal doesn't happen without it's not even a it's quite a short pass but it it's so it has to be so pin, pinpoint accurate to get back to Tash to do what she does to move that ball forward like you said so it's just when you watch it back I've watched it back a couple of times today and it if you're just focusing on Tash and Nah, it's just like they're sort of. It's like they're the only players on the pitch almost. It's just because it's it's perfectly everything's perfectly weighted. There's a, a shared awareness there of what this move has to be, mm-hmm. and I think the good thing about Tash coming back is even though she was only here for six months before, she clearly had a really good relationship with the players here, and you can see that when she's come back. And there's already a, a connection between her and those other forward players and Natalie Ross. There, you you can see that where it's. When she feeds her the ball, there's an awareness of what she's going to try and do. Yeah. Um, and that's really positive. Very positive. Um, at that point in the game, one nil up, that's great. It looked like we were kind of the dominating team. We, Like you said, we dominated possession in this game. Um, however, Jorian Balcom, who's a bit of a goal-scoring machine, did... I was kind of scared every time she found herself in any kind of space with the ball because you just know what kind of things she can do. And at 24 minutes, she scored an equaliser. And we said we were going to bring Sydney Cummings into the discussion at this point. It was Sydney who gave the ball away, the ball that ended up at the feet of Jorian. And she's just such a skilled footballer. Um, I think she's just... Like it's a real coup for Hibbs to have her on the pitch because she the things she can do and you just know that when that ball falls to her, I knew watching it in the stadium, I was like, well, uh-oh, here we go, yeah. <laughs> straight away. <laughs> yeah, it's really poor from Sydney Cummings. And I think, again, like we just talked about, but Tash Flint, that is what's been lacking, this progression from back to front. Um, it's just like almost like a, a too much self-awareness of how difficult the pass is going to be or trying to pick the right pass there isn't that player there who wants to take the ball and turn in the midfield really um, because Ross has you know, been quality elsewhere Cavan has been a little bit off the boil um, and I just don't, I don't feel like there's that immediate pass and you can see that in that Cummings pass because you don't know where it's going yeah. Like the player it looks like it's aimed at it's so far up the park from where the defender intercepts it um, it's just really poor and then she looks a little ragged trying to recover as well uh, kind of caught in two minds of whether Balcom's going to go outside or inside and yeah that's all she needs is that kind of second of it's almost like an Amy Gallagher type goal you know it's that awareness of what they can do and if you give them a second or two to do it you're you're only going to have yourself to blame yeah and they did it and you know fair play it was a great goal and she did a lot of great work to make to make it happen but you know especially once Sydney's given that ball away it felt like it took both her and Kelly way too long to realise the danger and nothing could be done about it. Anyway, we move on because it wasn't long after that that Caitlin Hayes scored a goal, like such an impressive, like we we sort of take Caitlin Hayes' hedges for granted, but this is such an impressive jump um, from such an impressive cross from Shen. But it's strange because it comes from Shen's free kick almost in the same spot that she then ends up. It, it's like, it's like a we re- rewind like they had to go at the goal from the free kick and it didn't work so it's like let's just try the same thing again <laughs> yes that that Celtic threat set pieces that we need to kind of get back as the boogeyman again um, because what happens when you're known from set pieces everyone sits back there's a lot of defenders in the box 
if you get it on Hayes' head, it truly does not matter if there's 30 defenders in the box. It really doesn't matter, so that's fine. But what that gives you is a second bite at it because when they clear it, unless they clear it out for another corner, another set piece, it's going to come back out and you'll have a second bite at it. And we saw that a few times against Hibs. Mm-hmm. And that return ball from Shane is wonderful. I mean, a lot of people, when they get a second bite at a set piece, it's rushed, it's overhit, it's underhit, whatever. She just did the. She she had a plan for the free kick. She's been given a second go at it, so she executes the plan again. Yeah. They've isolated Caitlin Hayes, and yeah, she just leaps so far above the defender, and it's just a it's a pinpoint header, and it just makes she makes it look so easy when she gets a nice one on one with somebody. She didn't look that thrilled afterwards to have scored, <laughs> and she had a big probably, bump on her head. Probably raging, she missed the first one as well. <laughs> um. So we go two one up and. We score a third before half time. Um, another one f- from Tash does take a massive deflection. But can we just first of all talk about the fact that Kelly Clark stood up to take the set piece? Because I was sat there and I was with people who don't watch this team it, week in and week out. So wouldn't have it would battered an eyelid but there was a couple of people like someone behind me and someone kind of to the side of me who we instantly all looked at each other and went what what's happening um I did ask Elena about it at the press conference I thought I might just play her thinking if that's okay my final question is just I think there were a few surprised faces in the crowd when Kelly Clark stepped up to take a corner on Sunday um I was just wondering about that. Was that something she came to you with? Did you approach her about taking set pieces? And will we see that again? The thing is I mean, for it, me is, is it that if, the, the thing is for me, like I'm, um, I'm a coach that listens to their players. And she asked me if she can take a corner on training just to see. And I said, listen, if, if you if you take it, you can take it. But you need to make sure that you're good. And she was. So she got the opportunity and, and she did really well uh, corner. So I'm not going to... I'm not going to say no then if she's going to show me wrong. What did you think of that? I love it. I love the, um, yeah, sure, you better be good. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. And I think there's, there has to be an awareness at this level that Elena will not have seen a lot of this team um, more than, you know, you can can go back and find uh, and footage she'll have been given when she started. Mm -hmm. But there'll be a lot of things about this team she'll need to learn on the fly. Um, And none of us, knew that Kelly Clark is somebody who can who who might want to take corners yeah. because she's an aerial threat and particularly in the big games Kelly Clark scored so many goals from corners for us mm-hmm. um, so I don't really want her on corners but uh, like Elena says she, she she did pretty well on corners the other day um, I'd probably rather not that be the case going forward because I would I would hope we have a midfielder I mean Shen Shen has games where she can't get past the first man and she has games where she puts it exactly where she wants it yeah, um, we've got players in that team. We've said can can put good corners in, but I would rather somebody with Kelly's um, goal scoring record from set pieces in the box. But at the end of the day, the plan is get it on Caitlin Hayes's head. So if she feels like she can be the best of that in the team, then like Elena says, until she starts messing that up, uh, you know, more power to her. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree. Um, there are definitely, I mean, the players that I would put as the consistent the most consistent uh set piece takers would be probably maria McEnany, lucy ashworth clifford were on the bench um at this point i think it does demonstrate something really good that elena 
you get someone new in and they're prepared to kind of think of these fresh things if if it works it works and then you've just got another option to think and you know if it was going to be a Natalie Ross taking a corner maybe Natalie Ross is also a threat in the box and can do things that Kelly can't do so um yeah I thought that was interesting but it results in a goal um for another one from Tash Flint great for her to get two on the score sheet well Generous. I think it's generous. I mean, I'm more than happy to be generous. She's taking it. She's taking it. (laughs) (laughs) The official stats say. I think it would go out for a throw-in if the (laughs) defender doesn't put it in. (laughs) Or or she might get an assist because she's trying to put, I think she's trying to put it back across the face, which is the correct decision. I think she does very well um, to jump all over it. It's another set-piece second ball as well. Yeah, which is so key. If you can win second balls and set pieces, you're mm-hmm. really giving yourself so many more chances to score. Uh, so I think she does really well, does all the right things, so she deserves that luck. Uh, but I would say generous to, to you know say two goals that day. <laughs> She's got two goals on the score sheet, and we scored we won three one. So I'm taking that, Good and point. I'm happy with that. Um, yeah, any any other moments from the game? Um, I mean, people will probably have watched the highlights. Anything that stood out for you that you kind of wanted to um, bring up or specific player performances that maybe stood out or didn't? I would say on the didn't front, I would say, like what I said about that formation, that front three, uh, I think in isolation, none of the three players played particularly badly um, in that formation. I don't think MD thrived as well as I would expect them to going forward. Yeah. Um, I think there's just going to be a lot of getting used to where each other are. Uh, we've seen this team develop really good strike partnerships. This is kind of a new endeavour to try and get these three on the park at the same time. I think it's the right move. I think long term, and I, when I say long term, I even mean as far as the second half of the split, kind of. Uh-huh. The idea of getting this three to click uh, is huge. Uh, so I would I would say watching the game, it felt like it's not clicked. It felt like there was a little bit of impotence maybe on what we're doing with Kit Uh But I would expect that to come and I just think they'll get more and more used to where Tash is going to sit. Amy will find her own role that's a little bit further up the park because she's got to compliment Tash um, and it will all start to click. But I would say watching it, it's, it's a huge work in progress, mm-hmm. uh, but a huge step forward as well. Yeah, totally. Um, we haven't really mentioned the subs. Um, Sydney Cummings did come off at half time, and Chloe Craig came on, maybe shore up the kind of reliable presence on the pitch. Um, given the first half mistake, perhaps I don't know. Um, you also had Colette Kavanagh and Jenny Smith coming on um, for Amy Gallagher and Shen, and then you had uh, Murphy Agnew coming on for Kit Lefersky. I'm assuming that's a kind of she's still working up to a full 90 situation. Yeah, and it's, it's when you're looking at that front three, I think if you're going to have to take Kit out, you're not, if Kit needs off, you're uh, you're not going to replicate Kit Lefersky, but what you can do is maybe come close to replicating her running, her endeavour, um, which Murphy Agnew kind of gives you in spades as well. There's not really a like for like, you know, if you had to sub out one of those three up top, you're, you're kind of in Maria McEnany territory for me, who we've seen play at centre-half probably yeah. more recently than we've seen play at striker. Uh, so yeah, it's a little bit of a strange one. Yeah, it's interesting. Kit, the, the, having Kit back is such a massive asset. It's interesting because I was sat next to someone who plays football, so probably 
is much more equipped to actually talk about football tactics than I am for sure. Um, but I was kind of, she doesn't know this team and I was just, and I was sort of pointed out Kit and I was like, she's just come back from injury. She's a striker, but she's super quick. That's like her thing. And at one point she just turned to me and went, wow, she really is, isn't she? And I was like, yep. <laughs> I'm so happy to have her back. I'm just yeah. delighted. Why can't we talk, can we talk Molly Plasman's back? <laughs> well, do you know what? Let's bring it up now. I don't think Molly Plasman's coming back, but no. um, I sort of thought we'd lost Hannah Kerner to sort of the ether, but she was asked about injuries in the... I'm so delighted that someone other than me asked in the press conference about the state of the squad. <laughs> um, and it was basically everyone is fit and able to play. And she mentioned Hannah and Luana coming back from the US wow. and Argentina respectively. So I, that would go such a long way, I think, to filling out the gaps in the squad. Loana obviously we didn't see her play much, but she's got a great reputation. Um if we're gonna get, you know, next season out of uh, Luana and Kerma, that backline looks Huge, a hell right? of a lot more appropriate. Yeah. Um particularly to potentially play a back four. So that is exciting. I I think we just we do just assume because of the nature of the the beast. If somebody's away out for a year and they're not from Glasgow, I think Hannah had signed a quite short contract as well. And so because again, there's not much transparency around these deals and how I think there'd just been this assumption that she'd signed this short contract, she'd got injured, she'd kind of maybe run her injury had run the same course as her contract, and that she was in the states and maybe I don't know. We just you always feel like you're not really kept in for I was really delighted when I, I like my ears pricked up and I was like, Oh, hello. Um, amazing, yeah. When her name was mentioned today. Cause I just, I just know I, I loved her as a player so much cause I thought she was so versatile. And I just think that we miss a player like that and we never really saw the best of Hannah. So no, if she comes back, think, please come back. I do think on the Loana front as well, for somebody of that, who's from that far away, uh, a great reputation in our home country um, to have been around the squad as much as she's been while you know not being even close to playing football or even running at the start I would imagine for how often you see Luana and how present she is on even the social media the games her involvement uh, with the fans it shows a commitment there mm-hmm. um, that again like you say the lack of transparency you can only ever assume a player's here till the summer and then God knows what happens. So <laughs> Luana is somebody I've been really excited to see get a run in this team and play properly and see if she can kick us up a level at a position that we've had incredible consistency in, but also a plateau in quality-wise mm-hmm. uh, for several years now. So it'll be great to see if Luana can make a difference there. Yes, absolutely. Um, just final couple of things on the Hibs game. Um, I sent you a link just before we started recording because when we were at the game, there was a drone buzzing about and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And it turns out they did a sort of all access um, highlights package for their YouTube, the the Hibs um, media team. And I just thought it was worth mentioning because I thought it was really nice and really good and something we need more of that type of content for women's football in Scotland. Yeah, it was really cool. And I think, uh, like you say, it's a different kind of match day experience. So for that to be exposed to people who have been considering maybe getting along to a Hibs game, uh, same with the Celtic game, I wouldn't do it at Airdrie. I wouldn't show off that much to experience too much. Um, but, you know, it's, it's it's a little step up from the unique angle type thing. You know, Drone shots of the car park, man. Yeah, the, the little that's there now, 
you know, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought um, kudos to them for putting that out because it, it kind of, I enjoyed watching it partly because some of the highlights packages obviously are goals. So that was nice to watch <laughs> yeah, from a different nice. angle again. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was good. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is on the other side of my piece of paper as I quickly am flapping, um, is the fact that we went into that game knowing that Rangers had dropped points. We haven't even talked about that. Mm. I mean, I didn't realize until I'd got to the ground and I was like, I got a text just as I was walking up to Meadowbank and I was like walking down the road, like punching the air, like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> My mum was laughing at me. Um, that's like... It's huge. And did you see the goal that was disallowed for the, I mean, for dropped, the foul in inverted commas? They dropped two points. If there was any justice, it should have been three. I've watched it several times <laughs> and I can't even begin to decide what the foul is. I, I watched really it in baffled. like, I watched the slow motion playback in slow motion to try and work out where the, like where they even touch and I couldn't see it. So yeah. And I think with the, you know, how much good stuff we've said about Brian Graham's Thistle, um, you know, they're, a bit, they're getting to the, the cup final, all sorts, and their, their improvement in the league and just how well that, you know, team seems to be run and the, the kind of plans they seem to have under Brian Graham to, to improve. For them to be denied a result of that calibre by that kind of refereeing is really terrible. And we've seen some shocking refereeing this season yeah. in our games as well. And... It's not nice to talk about referees all the time, and I'm glad we don't have VAR, to be honest, at the end of the day. But uh, it's tough, and it's it's just one of these things where there's so many things that you need to do to make the league level up. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the, the linesmen that we see and some of the refereeing has just been really, really, really poor. Uh, and that one, to be on sports scene, you know, and there'll be more people tuning in than usual because a big, res- you know, a big upset has happened. Uh, and to be watching that, if you're particularly, you know, there'll be Celtic fans seeing that who don't usually watch Rangers. There'll be Thistle fans who haven't usually watched a women's team. To see that as the the decision that's gone against them will be really kind of mind-boggling and set the league back a wee bit. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think Thistle did an amazing job um, holding them to a draw. We, we won't talk about that goal too much, but... Um, it's nice to see a bit of fallibility from this Rangers side, who I think psychologically we were all getting a little bit, oh, we can't beat them, no one can beat them, kind of attitude. Yeah, it's amazing timing as well, obviously, for us. Um, I think like you, you pointed out, Elena's kind of said the pressure's all on Rangers, which it is because I think a lot of us, even those of us that follow every week, have somewhat had somewhat given up on the league. Mm-hmm. It felt the idea of Rangers dropping points out with us and us turning them over a couple of times just seemed so beyond the pale. Um, but yeah, like you said, you've seen them bleed now. You've seen that unbeaten streak go. Um, they looked kind of out of ideas a wee bit up top. And I think maybe there's some lessons to be learned about which ways to defend them. Um, they're definitely vulnerable. And we've, we've analysed Rangers before we play them. And you can see where they're, where they're weaker. Uh, it just feels like we've, we've not turned up in these big games. But if we can really get it together and turn up this Rangers team is absolutely there for the taking and there's plenty of time to turn the tables on them with the league now and we should really the only way to do it is to change the attitude and chase them down mm-hmm. because they've dropped silly points now and you can't like every year we can look back on 
where we've dropped that silly two points. You know, that this is the moment that, that we should be aiming for for Rangers. Yeah, this is where Rangers should be looking back in May like, geez, right, <laughs> we dropped those two points at Thistle. Um, we won't think about our um, draw against Motherwell at home ever again, will we? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. I mean, we're playing them this weekend. It's a huge game. It's at Ibrox. Um, I've got my tickets. I've never been to Ibrox before. I'm, I'm debating. I'm so... Like I used, to, I was like going to be quite busy the day out with the out with the game. I'm not now, but there's part of me that doesn't. I don't want to go to Ibrox. I really don't. I no was going to say on this podcast, they need as many body. We need as many bodies supporting no, Celtic I in that I stadium as possible. And so, Lorenzo, you cannot fail us now. No, <laughs> Come I on. think I agree with you. I think it's going to happen, but it, there is there is just something about it. I mean, it's different. It's it's so silly because it would be different if it was like, you know, Celtic men get an attendance back at Ibrox and somebody offers you an away ticket. But there's just something about Ibrox that... You must have been before. No, I've not been to Ibrox, no. Never? No, I've never been to Ibrox, and, you know, for good reason. Um, <laughs> so it's something about it that just doesn't hugely appeal to me. And I think when it first got announced, I was like, what, are we going to go there and I'm going to watch us get turned over by Rangers at Ibrox? Mm-hmm. But it, the, the narrative's changed. Imagine if we beat them there. That would be result, quite yeah. something, wouldn't it? <laughs> That'd be unbelievable, yeah. Um, I think you don't want to miss... I think in terms of tactics and things, you know, if we can start to get, like you said, that front three working together and Tash doing things, connecting with the midfield in the ways that we know that she can to get that ball forward and to be in the right place at the right time, you know, defensively is probably where they are weakest. They've got lots of attack, lots and lots of attacking players. So if we can break through that and do something, we've, it's made me feel like we've got a chance. I'm delighted about it. I'll be honest with you but not overly optimistic. It's still going to be a massive, massive test. I also yeah. think that our players will up their game. I just think they will. Yeah, they do like a big pitch. I mean, we've seen that happen. They like a big, occasionally like a big pitch. Um, so I fingers crossed, you know, somebody like Tash as well, we've seen totally thrive on a big pitch um, in that kind of environment. I do think their attack has been great in general and we need to sort out our defence in terms of I mean, the back four seems to have gone, which is good. Um, but we've been making silly mistakes. And mm-hmm. even if you look at that, the the last derby with the, the mistakes at the back, and it just it can't happen at Ibrox. It really can't because they will take advantage. This will play the kind of flawless game, which is how they got those points off Rangers. We need to do the same. And this somebody like Tash diff- yeah. Yeah, needs to just step up and, and give us that edge. Like, we, like we've done in, in, in cup games before against them like we've done in big games on big pitches at big stadiums. So mm-hmm. it's the, the the potential is 100% there. The, you know, um, hindsight at games in the past points towards us absolutely having a chance, maybe more than a chance. But uh, I think it's going to be very tough and I'm scared. Let's talk lineup. seeing as you're talking about the back three and not making mistakes. Is it going to be back to Hayes, Clark and Craig? I would expect so. And I would hope so. Um I actually think somewhat close to what we played against Hibs and just involving the team as a, as a defensive unit more. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any benefit to us dropping to a back four. I don't think there's any benefit to us taking one of Lefersky, Gallagher or Flint out. No. I actually think you, you go with this formation and you just defend as a team um, and try and basically try and, and score more and score earlier and get the game on our side first and not feel like we're chasing it. Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily mean go all out gung ho attack, but I don't think we have the ability 
right now, sadly, or the consistency to say that we're going to go to Ibrox and defend, like, you know, defend and smash and grab. I think we have to go grab first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so does that mean we're looking at a starting eleven that's essentially the same as what we saw last Sunday, but with Craig for Cummings? Yeah, I think um, Cav is somebody who should who should thrive against Rangers as well. But um, she has been off the boil a wee bit, and Shen's stepped in there and done a pretty good job. Um, it's interesting to go from those three centre mids, where it's what combo of the three, and a kind of expectation of beginning of the season with Smith, Cav, and Ross. To now they're being kind of one position up for grabs because Ross is so solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very much all changing. Hopefully that'll bring the best out in all three of them. Yeah. Um, but I would be comfortable with I'd be comfortable with uh, either Shane or or Cav. To be honest, I think Cav might get sent off, which is an issue. Yeah, uh, I also because of, of obviously the kind of blighted season that she had there. I absolutely love seeing her play against them, and I do think she goes in with a bit more like yeah. I don't want her I to get. Fact, yeah, I don't want her to get sent off, but come on, just show a bit of something. Get her on, Aye. yeah. Um, it is good to see. Uh, like, like I said, I think crowd noise is going to be really important. We are going to have to be there, be loud, and cheer the team on. I do think that makes a difference, especially at a venue like Ibrox, um, where they'll feel kind of cocky and it's their place and all that. Um, tickets are all available. You can get them through Celtic. So if you look on the Celtic socials on the Celtic website, um, it's kind of through the Celtic ticketing system. So if you're listening to this and you haven't got your tickets yet, get them. Um, If you can't be there, it is on the TV. It's on BBC Alba. Um, Kick off at 10 past three. Again, experience from the weekend, sitting next to someone who isn't familiar with Scottish football, who was sort of texting her dad, who's a big Tottenham fan. So we had a little talk about Ange. (laughs) Um, but he he suddenly realised she was like it's on telly and he suddenly started watching it halfway through and then she just turned to me and went apparently it's in Gaelic and I was like yep <laughs> <laughs> um, just new, people new to the game not realising that that's what you get up here but yeah uh, that's what happens <laughs> so yeah 3.10 live on BBC Alba so everyone who is free at that time and especially living in Scotland should be able to watch it Um Tash, having Tash back for a big game like this is is great. I just think she's a big game player, and I think she's into. I think she intimidates them psychologically as well as physically. Definitely, Definitely. I think she's she scored so many big goals in the last season. She has this aura about her, even with fans who don't follow the women's team. There was a there was a huge awareness of Tash Flint across the Celtic fan base at the end of last season, mm-hmm. and you can't really buy that. And that's just something that has to occur naturally, and it's not something Rangers necessarily have. Um. You know, Tash kind of fell into being a talismanic player for us just with those big goals. Yeah. And it's all about when you do it. And for Tash, it's just in the big games. And I think she'll be really, really looking forward to it. And that's kind of all you need. I think as a striker, you want to be hungry and really excited for the next game and it not to feel like a, a big weight and a big responsibility. And I think Tash is like that. I haven't put it on the rundown, but do you want to do predictions? Oh, God. Um... <laughs> <gasps> I'm going to say 2-1. I'm going to get in before you because I always feel like, feel like I'm copying you. <laughs> I don't know. I really... I, I mean to us, by the way. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, I think... I think... It, I actually think it'll be 2 each if, I have to, if I'm going to do a genuine production. Okay. Uh, I think it could be 2 each. Uh, but I do think there's a world 
in which it all comes together and Rangers keep hitting brick walls and they get really frustrated by our attack and not being able to work us out and Tash and we take our chances and we beat Rangers like 3-1. That's what I want to hear. I I want to live in that world, please. I don't see us winning 1-0. I don't see us like... I don't see us not conceding for 90 minutes and I don't see us riding out like a 1-0 lead. I don't think that's this team's makeup. So I, I think there'll be goals in it. Okay. It's going to be exciting to see. Anyway, um, that's the next big thing. I was going to talk about the international break, but we'll talk about that after the Rangers game. Um, Lorenzo, thank you. It's lovely to have you back. Great to be back. Uh, he's been Lorenzo Pacitti. I've been Claire Wilde. This has been the Celtic Women's Football Show. <laughs> <laughs> 